welcome to the trauma tapes. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's Christmas week. I know. I know. How does it feel? Um, it feels well. I'm working in a retail store, so and everyone's really crabby, so oh, <laughs> so it feels kind of kind of lousy, actually. Oh no, <laughs> that's okay. Someone, another friend in retail, sent me a um, a text last night with a, like an Instagram post that said, you know. If you're out shopping this week, be kind to retail workers. It's not yeah. their fault that you waited until Mary's water broke to start shopping. <laughs> I love that. I know. I know. That's but so there's fun. just like a there's like a level of energy out there that I mean, even when you're driving around, people are honking. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it's you can just feel the stress in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't want to like stay home. Yeah. I was in the post office yesterday and like you know how there's like the line and then there's like the supplies or whatever. Yeah. This woman needed some of those supplies and some of those are free. You can just leave with them. You know what I mean? So she was like walking over to get supplies. And this other woman was like, what are you doing? (laughs) And she stopped and she was like, I'm getting supplies. That's what I'm doing. And they started this like whole thing. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's palpable. You could feel the you can feel the stress out there. It's, can we not like, I know, does it have to be like this? Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm surprised by it every year, but for some reason I am, you know, you know you're really on the front lines. That's, that's, that's tough. Listen, most people are, are really nice and kind and funny and, you know, laugh at themselves that they've waited so long, Yeah, and, you know, but you get that one booger and that can mm-hmm. like kind of tip your tip your mood a little bit so totally that stuff is contagious that negativity and like vitriol you know yeah it's it's a it's a challenging year you know yes okay so we were going to talk today about worry there was this um article that someone sent me this morning from the new york times called worry burnout is real even in a pandemic our capacity for catastrophe has a limit here's how to spot the signs by danny bloom I wanted to start with this little audio because I thought this was funny. This is from the B Noth on TikTok. Hold on one second. This is my impression of everybody in the world right now, specifically me, mostly me. I've got Omicron. What are your symptoms? Do you think it might be Omicron? You can't taste or smell. I think I had Omicron back in September. It's more transmissible, but less deadly. Omicron. It's more deadly, but much less transmissible. All my friends have Omicron. Me too, me Sergi, have Omicron. I don't know where I caught it. Probably when I got my hair cut, my barber gave me Omicron. Omicron. Just walking through clouds of Omicron right now. You hear that beep? That's Omicron. You can taste the Omicron in the air. Is your dog okay? My dog's fine. It has Omicron. I've got Omicron right now. I don't care. Omicron. I just like saying it. I don't even have it, but I like saying it. Omicron. You rearrange the letters. It smells moronic. Will the natural wines help with the Omicron? <laughs> we have Omicron. Ma'am, do you have Omicron? You have it, ma'am? You have it? <laughs> this is my impression of it. Who is the absolute? That's hysterical. It's funny. And it's, you know, my favorite kind of thing is like making something that is completely out of our control humorous because this is absurd. It is absurd. We are two years in, almost two years in to this pandemic. Yeah. It's hard to care. Yeah, it is. 
and you're, it's just, it's like, we went to a, um, someone at work had a little Christmas party the other night, Saturday night, and we went and it was really lovely and, you know, Mm -hmm. so great to like be around people and Mm -hmm. to just get out and chat for a little bit. And it felt, I, we were both just so happy that we went and would, you know, that, um, the people that we got to talk to and kind of, um, hang out with. And then the next day it was like, just all this dire news. And it was like, Mm. should we have done that? And you kind of, you, it's like, it completely negates the experience. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, totally joy out of it. Totally. Cause you're, yeah. And, and every decision makes you feel like you're putting your life in your hands because we just don't know Omicron. I mean, I think the kind of the funny thing about the, the part that really made me laugh in that TikTok, I love him. I think he's so funny. It was the like, it's, it's, it's more deadly and less transmissible. It's less transmissible, you know, and it's like back and forth every day, there's something new, which is that can't be helped. We're trying to learn about something as it's unfolding, but it, um, it's hard to even know what to worry about, which I think makes the discussion of worry really interesting because it kind of puts the whole thing in relief. And we're like, wait, okay, so what, what is worry burnout? What, why do we worry about stuff? Is it actually helpful? Yeah. And what do we do about it? Cause it's hard. It's really hard not to, but it's also dangerous to get to the place where you don't care. Right. Right. There's a difference. So in the article, so just a couple things, um, in the article they talk about. So whenever we have stress, we've talked about this before your stress hormones shoot up that affects the way you feel in your body. We were designed to have short little bursts of stress, not chronic stress. So it really erodes everything all of our systems, um, when we have chronic stress and eventually you get fatigued and the fatigue kind of pushes you away from where, like, you can only worry so much. You can only stress so much, um, before you, you stop caring, you tip over into like, you know, you know, just, you just don't care apathy. Um, and so the, the, that fatigue can kind of go in one of two directions. The first is this kind of radical acceptance that like, this is where we're at we need to figure out how to, you know, like carve a way of life out of this current situation. Cause it's not going to change that. I think, um, I'm always fascinated by radical acceptance and the way that it affects the somatic experience of something. It just kind of like washes away a huge portion of that worry. Cause you're like, well, it is what it is. You stop railing against what is, you know, what you can't help. I think it's but, also a place where you can start making like sound decisions. Totally. Totally. And, and in a reason, exactly. Totally. In a reasoned way. Cause you're not reacting just as you just said. So you're like, okay, so, you know, I would like to not go outside and never speak to anybody. That's not realistic. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure that I go out. And when I go out, I'm going to, you know, have certain behaviors and wear a mask and have my hand sanitizer and only go out when I need to, and not, you know, excessively socialize and not go to bars and which then every decision you, you make makes you feel like, okay, I have a sphere of influence, even though the situation feels so out of control. Right. Which is helpful. Right. But the other direction, so radical acceptance is one way. The other place that, you know, worry fatigue can go is worry burnout, which is when you just stop caring. I'm thinking of, (laughs) do you remember the Robin Williams special, the the stand-up special? When he talks about the pharmaceutical, uh, the medication yes, for yes. depression, you know where I'm going. Totally, but go there. Fuck it all. Fuck it all. <laughs> fuck it all place. Yeah. <laughs> fuck it all. 
Fuck it Take all. This and you'll feel better. Fuck it all. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, and I like, th- there's something like a little liberating and rebellious in that space, but it's also dangerous. Yeah. Because this is when you actually stop caring about the things you need to care about to keep yourself safe and you put yourself in danger. Right. This is, you know, it, this borders on parasuicidal behavior that like, where you're just like, okay, well, I don't care about my life. So I'm going to just drive 75 miles an hour down this 35 mile an hour road. Or like, you know, it's, it's not a good place to go Yeah, for your decision-making. Yeah. Um, so they, not a good place to live, <laughs> not a good place to live, but there is something like I, I it's, it's similar to the radical acceptance place. Yeah. It's a very fine line between, yeah. two, I think. Yeah. So they specified how to spot the signs of worry burnout. Number one, you avoid the news. I want to come back to this because I think yeah, we should I talk about each of these. Two, you feel numb. Like you've gotten, you've done stress overdrive so much. You don't have any emotion at all. Three, you're tired all the time. Anxiety is exhausting in the body. So that totally is a thing. You're hopeless, right? This is, they, they, they talk about how, like, you feel like you've done everything right. This is moral injury, by the way, you feel like you've done everything right. And you're still not getting the outcome. Yeah. So it's like the world starts looking hopeless in general. You're angrier than usual. You get like short fused, that kind of thing. Um, And then they have a couple of suggestions that I want to talk about in a minute and kind of actually push back on some, but, um, what do you think of those? Well, the, the first one with the news, you know, my personally, my inclination has been to avoid it because I believe that anyone can find a statistic to back Mm -hmm. up whatever argument they have, Mm -hmm. especially with the pandemic and everything that's going on. And when I was feeling, you know, regret about attending this Christmas party that was so much fun and I had such a great time, there happened to be a story on the news about studies that they had done in the state of Massachusetts about people who were vaccinated and had boosters. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was a positive, it made me feel better. Yeah. So in that case, in that instance, and it was a reliable source. I dug a little deeper. It, you know, it was, it, it can be trusted the, right. the study that was done, I believe. Yeah. So there was relief in that for me that yeah. it, it kind of gave me some perspective back. So yeah. Yeah. in that case, paying attention to the news at that moment was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? To- no, totally. Um, your nail polish is awesome. I love that color. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's random. Um, no, that totally makes sense. It's, um, I, I think. So, okay. We can only on a, on a nervous system level, we can only handle about 15 minutes of news before we become dysregulated. Mm-hmm. So I've seen clients like over and over and over and over and over again this year come in and they're just like, and then I read this and then this person said this, and they're just like in that cycle because it's not just the pandemic and the news that's terrible. It's everything. Right. And so, um, I think avoiding the news is actually a good idea, but I think completely avoiding it is obviously could be problematic, especially if you're making decisions that you might need some information on, you know? Um, but what I think is fine, just like you said, like find a couple of trustworthy outlets or sources and access them really like intentionally. 
in a space where you feel like relatively calm. Right. So right in the middle of the day, look at a couple of things, listen to NPR at the top of the hour for five minutes. Like, right. You'll get everything, you know? Yeah. And it can be strangely comforting. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Totally. To have that information. And yeah, you know, your brother-in-law on Facebook that's blasting out unbelievably radical mm-hmm. ideas is not nope. where to get your news. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and just keep in mind that like all, you know, what is it? If it bleeds, it leads, right? Every news outlet is biased. Mm-hmm. They are businesses. I'm not talking about political bias. I'm talking about like, they're trying to sell something. Oh yeah. They're trying to get your attention. Right. And so I was actually, it's funny. I was looking for information the other day about the booster and Omicron because it got, there was a big, actually someone came from the East coast and brought it here to town. And so there was like a big thing about this person was isolating and all this stuff. Um, And so I was like, I had just gotten the booster. So I was like, oh, I wonder if the booster is effective. Do we know that yet? If it's effective against Omicron. And it took like, probably I should have like, it it took like 22 clicks to get to any actual like data. Yeah. That wasn't just, and I'm looking at like only the New York times and like stuff like this. So it's, I'm not just like on the internet, you know, (laughs) like randomly looking for stuff. I'm, I, these are like trusted media sources. Right. Targeted. Right. Right. And it was still extremely like inflammatory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're trying to, like you said, it's a business and they're trying to get your attention and sell a story and some things get your attention faster than facts. Yep. You know what I actually love doing? And I've done this in like natural disasters and stuff too, like hurricanes and things is find someone who's an expert who has a Twitter page or an Instagram because they will be putting up the data in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Like from their work, not just from, you know, right. That's good advice. So I think limit the news is a really important thing. And define news like for yourself. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for, for the love of God, cultivate your social media streams. That's an option. Mute everybody. Mm -hmm. Don't sign into it. Look at bunnies on Instagram. Like don't, you don't have to take in everything. You're not going to miss something important. Yeah. That's like actually impossible, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, feeling numb. I, I'm more I I the fatigue resonates with yeah, the, yeah. numb, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I get the numb thing. I get, you know, it's a lot to take in and it's like you mm-hmm. kind of have that what's next. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. Yeah. Go again, you know. Right. I've heard a lot of people talk negatively in the, in the slash. I know we've talked about this before about um, numbing out and like shaming themselves for numbing out because there's this, this impulse that you have to be like plugged in and vigilant all the time. Yeah. I, I think that's really corrosive because the reason we have a dissociative response in our brain is because we need it. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah. And so when you disconnect, not that, not that watching TV is dissociative, but if you're in that space of numbness, it it is protective. Mm -hmm. It's just, you want to make sure that you're not making decisions from that place. Right. 
about your life. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That's a good point that you're using it to, to kind of regroup a little bit. Yeah. 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 And that's like, that's fully okay. Like watching, I've watched Ted Lasso like four times through now. I have no intention of stopping. Like I, it is like pure dopamine, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. Am I checking out and like going into that universe when I watch it? Absolutely. Is that bad? No. Right. Right. You know? It's a conscious decision and you, you know what you're doing and mm-hmm. you're getting joy from it. So right. and, and be a bad thing. Totally. And relaxation. Right. I also think that, that, yeah, it's, there's a difference between that kind of numbness. So if you're feeling numb, I think like investigate into that, what kind of numbness are you feeling? Is it temporary? Is it momentary? Is it a reset? Or is it like you suddenly like don't care about your the friends? Yeah that's, that's a different kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but incessant worry will tip into that because your brain can't handle it. So if you are feeling this like lack of care, that's scaring you, there's stuff that can be done about it. You won't always feel that way. Right. You're just fucking tired. Speaking of tired, the next one was you're tired all the time. I totally feel that. Yeah. I feel like I've been more tired since July than I've been in my whole life. Yeah. 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 And it's okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not fighting it. I'm just kind of, yeah. I I don't want to say giving into it, but I, I am noticing letting it be. Yeah. 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 It's, um, there have been days where I like literally feel like I'm trying to like walk through mud, Mm -hmm. like my legs won't move like that you know, pulled down to the earth, like, just like, (laughs) (laughs) right. And that's because again, like, even if this is another place where like, I think even if you think you're not stressed, you're stressed. I hate it when people do stuff like that and tell people how they're feeling, but stress can operate under the radar. Hypervigilance can operate under the radar, but it takes tons of energy. Yeah we are facing a global trauma. One of the clinical definitions of a traumatic event is exposure to death or threat of death. We are living that every day. You are hypervigilant right now. So if you're exhausted, it's because your brain is doing a lot more than it does when it feels safe, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing to tell people that they're stressed because I, I, like, I will deny that I'm stressed until like, until you get sick. Yeah. Until I'm in the ambulance. Like right. I, I'll tell you, I'm not stressed. And right. I believe that I'm not right. being, you know, trying to get right. away with anything. Right. We're not actually really good at telling how we feel. No. Like as hum- like human being, not just us. I mean like humans. Right. We have all these defenses and mechanisms to be like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know? Yeah. But your body will tell you eventually how you're feeling. Oh, it'll just take you out. Right. Yep. Okay. Hopelessness. Yeah. I was thinking about that before we got on today because I, you know, you said initially that we should talk about hope. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I know, I know, you know. And then I came to like the conclusion that I, hope is a very small thing, right? It, meaning there are small measures, mm-hmm. measurables of hope for me. The, yes. big hope, the big cosmic hope not happening. Yeah. 
but the little, the little hopes, if that makes any sense are, yeah. are, um, I, I can digest that right now. I yeah. can focus on, I can only focus on those. Right. That is what the study of, so this, we, this is a super loaded word. And so I think like, whenever I talk about this in a group, people are, people do exactly what you said. They're just like, Oh fuck. Like right. number one, you're just going to try to blow like sunshine and glitter out my ass and like not, and deny the fact that everything is terrible, which no, that's not what it's about. Hope actually requires right. ne- it's one of the only positive emotions that requires a negative charge. You can't have hope without uncertainty. And so it's not a fully positive emotion in itself. Interesting. But the other thing is that like when, like the, when researchers talk about hope, they are talking about tiny little things. They're not talking about hope that like this grand, you know, like the universe will reveal itself to be working in your favor at all times and everything will turn to gold and there will be unicorns and the love of your life standing there. And like, they're, they're talking about like the sunlight. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly where I went. That's right. so funny. You say that I was like, well, it's sunny today. Yes. It feels good. Right. Right. Or like this blanket is fuzzy. Like that's, right. can you ground yourself in that kind of, that kind of hope? But that's super helpful. If you can start identifying that. Oh, fuck. Yes. In the, in, in the absence of, of, you know, what are my new year's resolutions or what's when we're like, oh God, here, you know, we're still in this thing and we're yeah. slogging along. If you could focus on the little things like that, that's a good tool to have. I think we've talked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. And it's the, um, it's grounding. Yeah. It's, it's like it, and it doesn't actually serve. It's not, it's purpose is not to negate everything that's happening. It's to shine a light on what else is happening. Right. So it's like, yes, there's a pandemic. It's terrible. Our political schema is horrific right now. The United States is crumbling in many ways. All of that is true. And like, what a ridiculous miracle that we're still laughing, Mm -hmm. that there's still sunshine, that there's still, you still have freedom in your day-to-day life. Like, right. There's still birds. There's still Christmas cookies. I made the most ridiculous Christmas cookie batter ever the other day. Okay. You have to share. And that stuff doesn't, it doesn't negate any of the other stuff. It's just also there. And I think there's something like, I don't know. I think there's something really miraculous in that. Well, that makes, that (laughs) enables you to be more in tune with what's going on in your body, in your, in your soul, I think. Totally. And in your, and in, and what's actually right here, right now. Right. In the moment. Right. Right. Um, but I do, I do think that like one of the things we don't talk about enough when we talk about this hopelessness thing is that what has happened and what is really traumatic about the pandemic is not just the pandemic and the threat that we're under, but the fact that um, we are, our moral structures are crumbling mm-hmm. because what we see in this hopelessness is this idea, like people keep saying like, you know, I'm doing all the right things and I got it anyway or I'm doing all the right things. And everyone I know in the city is doing all the right things. And, and the pandemic is winning anyway. And so what we're like pointing at is like, hold on. Like, I thought if you did the right things, then good things happen to you. What, what? That's bullshit. <laughs> it is bullshit, but it's our underlying, like we come into the world with that belief and we hold it until it's ripped from us. Yeah. And I that know. when it's ripped from us, that's an essential part of the trauma that we don't talk about. 
that's that like existential crisis, that moral injury of like, okay, cool. So if the pandemic is over, great, but I still can't believe what I used to believe. So now what? Right. You know? Right. What's the world going to look like? It's different. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. What's my world going to look like? What's my, yeah, that that's, that is a lesson that you're just going to keep getting over and over and over again. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, but, and fortunately, yeah, I think there's lots of ways to go with it. I just think we don't talk about it enough. It's not just the event. It's what the event means. It's the way it stamps your world with meaning. That's a critical part to talk about because that doesn't go away. Right. Even if the situation resolves, you heal, you grieve, you, you know, move on, you're successful. You still carry that stamp. Right. So what do you do with that? How do you, how do you grapple with your, with the crumbling of your belief system? Or the building of a new one. Right. Which can feel really um, uh, like empowering and it can also feel really like empty and vacuous. But it's the one part of the situation that you have a hand in. Right, right, right. The thing, Dan Tomasulo talks about how, um, when he talks about hope, he talks about how negative, so negative thinking is embedded in our DNA because it helped us survive, right? Like the, you, the, we talk about this all the time. We, we're wired to imprint negative and scary things because it helps keep us alive. The quicker and the better you remember something dangerous, the more likely it is you'll live. Positive thoughts are a lot less strong because they don't have that survival piece that negative thoughts do. Um, so it takes a lot of them to outweigh the negative ones. And when you're trying to like put them next to each other, you're looking at pandemic and the world is falling apart and all this. And then you're like, okay, sunshine, like, cool. That seems really small. It's sort of like, he says, it's like a feather and a stone. Mm. But if you are trained, if you train yourself, like we talk about all the time with tiny little joys to think about the little positive things, they add up. Right. And they do start to outweigh and balance, not outweigh, I guess, but balance the, the negative stuff. I love that. Also back to the brain thing really quickly, that when you're in that, that fear circuit and the hope circuit cannot be on their counterposed, they can't be online at the same time. So if you're afraid, you can't be in that place of hope, which is one of the, that's the neurobiological reason why it feels so hard to access. But if you can train yourself to turn that hope circuit on, you also turn off the fear circuit. Right. So in addition to numbing by like watching TV and doing things like that and distracting yourself, it's critical that you, you practice some kind of hope. Yeah. Because you're, you're you know, giving that brain circuitry a rest, that fear stuff. Okay. In the beginning of that, you said that the, the negative thoughts are necessary because they're based yeah. in, on survival Yep. and positive thoughts are not necessary. That's so they're, interesting. They're less necessary. They're less necessary, but they're this is survival super, based. Yes. But so this is not as important. I mean, that, that's just super interesting. It is super interesting. And I actually, I was wondering the other day when I was putting this thing together, like, are we going to get to a place in evolution where they are? I hope so. As biologically necessary because we, well, you say, I hope so, but that would be like, (laughs) I'm thinking about like Holocaust survivors, you know, and like Victor Frankel's 
work on man's search for meaning, right? This like this meaning and positivity and and these grappling hooks into into hope are what keep us alive when things are really, really terrible. Yeah. So I wonder if this is already like happening that we're evolving to. And it just hasn't been enough time. Yeah. Studied or yeah. Well, evolution takes like, you know, thousands of years. So right. We need a lot more horribleness to (laughs) for our brain wiring to catch up. That's that's fascinating. But it's the, the survival stories. Yeah. Any kind of survival story. Yep. 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 Is that the secret sauce? Right. I mean, yes. Wow. Yeah. But that really speaks to our, our hard wiring. To, yep. 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 And the, and the fact that we're animals like at, at, at the base, you know, like, right. That that's the animalistic piece. Right. We have this modern complicated world and all this stuff, but it's like, we also are just as primitive as we always were. Right. Okay. That's a lot to think about. I know. So the pull of the pull of the survival thing makes it so that the negative thoughts are can can there can very easily be all that we see. Right. But if you can train yourself, you can actually start to see the whole spectrum instead of just that darkness, you know. Okay. So, and it's got to be a practice. You can't do it for like a day and a half and then be like, "Well, how come my brain hasn't rewired?" Because you're rewiring your brain and it takes a really long time. Yeah. If you were going to redo the electrical circuitry of your house, it would, you wouldn't like start out and be like, well, I'll probably be done with this in 20 minutes or so in one shot. You know what I mean? Well, and there's maintenance involved. You can't just right. do it and then, you know, walk right. away from it. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so this goes into the, oh, so angrier than usual. Mm-hmm. This, um, that was the last thing in the article. That's totally a thing, right? Like frustration, mm-hmm. irritation, like. I I've noticed that not so much like at people, but like I, we've talked about this before. I think, I feel like we talked about it like in the summer, like I will get to from zero to super irritated in like a half a second mm-hmm. from someone like cutting me off. And I don't usually do that. Like, I don't usually feel that. And I've, I've had a couple of days where I'm like, wow, it is uncomfortable. Like people live this way. I know. Like I know. this is uncomfortable. I know. You're right. The, like, You're right. When people, uh, that's funny you say that too, because when people like behave badly in the store, you know, I said yesterday, you know what the thing is, that is not reserved just for us. Right. This is how that woman woke up and right. that, that's how she's going to go to sleep tonight. And that's yep. sad that it that's the way sad. she lives. Yep. Yeah. She didn't yep. save it all up to unleash on us and it's done. Mm-hmm. This is a way of life. So yeah. Yeah. It is uncomfortable to live that way. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen a million examples of bad behavior, you know, totally. And you can feel it in your body. Like you can feel the, like the out of controlness sort of rising up and it's always just like, holy hell. Like, yeah. yeah. Or like I was at Pilates and this woman like was next to me. It's outside. So it's very safe. We're six feet apart, but this woman, like number one, I don't know why she came to the class because she is doing her own fucking thing. Like <laughs> there's always one. It's like, what are you doing? This She's is a like, class. Right? <laughs> but also You're supposed to do what the teacher says. These machines are dangerous. Like they are dangerous. 
you can't just like strap yourself in and start flapping. You got to like get hurt, follow the directions. (laughs) So she's out here doing her own thing, which like, usually I would find like kind of funny and irritating, but I was just like straight mad. Yeah. (laughs) And then she's like breathing, like, (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) I know. And I have my mask on. We're outside. It's fine. Like there, but I'm like, are you like, is this necessary? Right. Right. Is this necessary? But it was just, I was noticing myself like being, like being again, like not, I didn't have like any kind of humor. And then you get kind of really irritated towards the end of the class. It was just like, bam, mad. I know. I find myself, um, you know, there's a mask mandate in the town where I work and there are signs everywhere, you know, you need a mask on. And I, like you see people walking around without a mask. And I always say like, I want a bullhorn. I want to go up to the side of this person's head and be like, what the, why do you think everyone else is wearing a mask except for you, you dummy? Like who, what's wrong with you? (laughs) That's not me. (laughs) Like I, that's not who I am, but like, I, I just envision like grabbing a bullhorn and running up to them. (laughs) Get your head out of your ass. (laughs) Look around jackass. What are you doing? (laughs) So I get that. I get that. I think what we're saying is we relate. (laughs) (laughs) So then they go into these, the, um, they suggest meditation. Um, I, I I like to push against that. Meditation is not a cure-all. It's a wonderful tool. If you're dealing with anxiety, if you have a panic disorder, if you have PTSD, it is not your first go-to. Okay. Because what will happen is if you have OCD, you'll end up in a ruminating cycle that will actually make it worse. There's studies about this. This is not just my opinion. Meditation is not good for everyone in every situation. That's good to know. Cause it's, it's always like offered up as you should be doing this. The be all and end all totally. It's yeah. counter. Um, what is the word? Um, it's counterindicated if you have panic disorder, PTSD, OCD, anxiety, generalized anxiety disorders, like anything like that. If it feels bad, don't fucking do it. Right. It's not that you're doing it wrong. And the mindfulness of meditation, I think is much easier to access if you're coming from anxiety and panic. So can you kind of maybe have a mindful a mindfulness practice in your day-to-day life where you are taking a couple of minutes to really breathe in the scent of the soap as you're washing dishes or take a walk around the block and really feel your feet walking in the gravel and like you know, stuff like that, that is a type of meditation, but it's not the meditation that we think of when we think of meditation, where you're sitting down in silence, trying to make your mind blank. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are you laughing about? Cause I just like, I'm, I, I can't do it. Like, you know, I, I feel like my defenses will be down and someone mm-hmm. will come. Yeah. <laughs> yell at me with a bullhorn or something. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's a perfect description. So what you, you go directly into hypervigilance. Yeah. Like that, you know, no relaxation is going to come from that. Hypervigilance no. is <laughs> it stresses me out. Like, right. I can't close my eyes. So like not pay attention. I need right. to be paying attention. Right. And so, so that's okay. get me. right. You can also, <laughs> I have the like opposite problems. This is so funny. Um, we were talking last time about like walking in the woods with earphones or whatever. Yeah, and then you like that. put something on Instagram, like, oh, ha ha, I'm doing because- it again after I told you not to, <laughs> because the next day. <laughs> I was, this was, this is actually what, you know, how sometimes you need the message like four times or whatever. 
I was listening to my favorite murder and they were talking about, I was in the woods with my headphones, listening to this murder podcast. And they were talking about how weird it would be if you were attacked in the woods while listening to a murder podcast. Yeah. It's not funny. I'm not doing it anymore. It's, it's all good, but it was funny. Thank you. It's not funny. (laughs) Your sister told you to cut it out. Cut it out. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like if, if it feels bad, don't, don't do it. Try to lean into mindfulness, which again, it is a type of meditation. There's also types of meditation that are much easier to access, like walking meditations, guided meditations, things where you are kind of tapping back into your emotions and the idea of presence without being alone with yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Um, breathing exercises are also really great for calming your nervous system. Anything that, um, that taps into your vagus nerve, which we talk about a lot, will um, bring on the parasympathetic nervous response, which will bring calm. So what else works for worry for you? Oh, the routine stuff is critical. Like I try to do this. I try to, we talked about this last time. I try to really like lock in during this time of year, especially to like keeping a routine, eating regularly, sleeping regularly, moving right, like all this stuff Yeah, because it really helps. Yeah, absolutely. The article talked about that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, we talked about it just that, you know, having the tea, the cup of tea every night, just like, you know, mm-hmm. same thing, you know, it, just getting into the habits and, and yep. maintaining them, you know, not straying yep. from that. And even if I get home later or something is disrupted, I still make time for it because it's so grounding and helpful the routine of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They end the article. A lot of people have this myth that worrying is helpful in some way. And it's just not. I love that. Like, I think we get this trick in our head that if we worry about everything, then we will, it it get it tricks us into thinking and feeling like we're doing something. Right. But it's different than like making a plan from a place of radical acceptance, being like, okay, this is what the world looks like. I don't like it, but it is what it is. How am I going to move within it? How am I going to live in this world? Right that's very different than let me worry about every possible interaction that I'm having and whether I was having, I had nightmares last night about Omicron. I can't remember what they were specifically about, like having gotten it in a really stupid way. Yeah. You know, like at the grocery store, like we, we can't help it. It's a virus. It's in the air. We can't help it. Worrying in that way is not. Well, it's just a spiral at that point. Right. It's not actually doing, it's not going to do anything. Good article. It's worth checking out. Yeah. Worry burnout is real by, hold on, let me find the byline one second. Danny Bloom. Okay. Do you have a tiny little joy? Um, Can you go first? I need a minute. Do you have one? No, I need a minute too. Okay. Wait. All right. (laughs) Mine is that um, I think I've talked about like my plant thing and how I've accepted my maybe lack of a green thumb but I'm just still enjoying the plants because, you know, they make me happy. And this year I got a Christmas cactus, which I've always wanted oh, nice. with the bright pink flowers. Nice. Yeah. And it's in the living room and I get to look at it every day and it makes me happy. And I'm not going to judge myself if I kill it nope. <laughs> by accident. I'm just going to enjoy it for the moment and, you know, see what happens. Listen, the plant is on its own path. You can only do so much. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'll do the best that I can. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's okay. Right. Exactly. I'm not going to beat myself up. 
life lessons from the Christmas exactly. cats. <laughs> but I've always admired, I admired them. So I'm glad I finally pulled the trigger. I, I love that. I love that. I think having plants around is really helpful. Oh yeah. It's, it's life-changing. I did make an orchid comeback this year, which is a huge yeah. accomplishment. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. The what is it in your bathroom? Is that the one? Yeah. 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 And someone said it's the, um, it's in the bathroom window that they, what makes them bloom again is a, um, dramatic change in temperature. So if it's in the window and it has sun okay. during the day and then cool at night, like they like that. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Story, and I'm going with it. I like that. Yeah. I like that. You've unlocked the orchid secret. Maybe for now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have mine. Okay. Cookies. Cookies are always a good call. What's the batter you made? Okay. So I found this batter. So here's my thing. I, um, I love Christmas cookies. I, I wish I like, I need to like find someone to donate them to or something. Cause I have like a thousand cookies and I, I need to not eat 1000 cookies. You know what I mean? Can you freeze them? Just, Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, just cause you get that stomach ache, that sugar cookie stomach ache, I know. <laughs> like a really specific kind of pain. Um, but I found this batter, um, this sugar cookie batter online that, and the trick is you add almond extract to the batter include, Ooh. and as well as vanilla. Yum. And it just like, it, they don't taste like an almond cookie, but it just like makes the sugar cookie taste more interesting. I love sugar cookies. Me too. And then I put cinnamon sugar on top instead of just because I ran out of sprinkles and it was like amazing. You love cinnamon. I love cinnamon. I'm obsessed with it. You're hitting like a couple different things at once. That's good. I know. Yeah. Combining your tiny little joys. I know. <laughs> but I found this gourmet magazine in mom's like recipes from like, I don't know, like 1995 or something. And it has 10 cookie recipes from the 10 like top sh- uh, pastry chefs in New York at the oh, time. Wow. And so I'm going to go through as many of them as I can. Some of them are like super complicated and stuff I wouldn't like eat or whatever, but there's a ginger cookie that I want to try. And they have a gingerbread cookie that I've already made gingerbread cookies, which I love. And, um, so I just am loving, like I put on that Ella's swinging Christmas album and like bake cookies. And then it's just a nice break in the middle of the workday and Christmas cookies are the best. And it's a celebration. It's a little party. Exactly. So that's my tiny little joy. The New York times did a like cookie of the day thing. Did you get that? No. Oh, I'll have to send that to you. Okay. Yeah. They sent like a cookie recipe every day. I think it's been like 10 days now. Oh, wow. Cool. Some of them look like, like you said, some are super complicated and like not interesting, but others look like they'd be fabulous and relatively easy. I'm not into like a pistachio mousse whipped walnut like surprise <laughs> one was the, that layered like italian cookie with like red and green yeah and, yeah which you know is pretty but a yeah. lot of work <laughs> i don't i know i've had those before but i can't i have no recollection of how they maybe i'll make them to see what they taste like cookies are always good cookies are always the right answer and it's just a fun like it's a very easy low stakes baking endeavor you don't need a lot of like extra skills or like tools or whatever you know right right and you so, can like play with it a little bit. It's not an exact science. You're yeah, right. totally. Yeah. So it's fun. You were always good at that. Mom always did that impression of you with like the bowl under your arm, like stirring and like talking at the same time. <laughs> I remember her telling like, Mac is so good at those cookies. She just, da, 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 da. 
I remember she got really mad at me because the first year I was gluten-free, I made pie crust, like gluten-free pie crust, just because I was like, I want pumpkin pie. It's Thanksgiving. And she was like, what the fuck? And it was like easy. Like I was just like, oh, you just do follow these directions and you make this pie crust. And she, unbeknownst to me, had tried to make it like 900 times and it didn't work for whatever reason. Uh-oh. And she was like pissed. She's like, what the fuck? Like, why can you just like roll up here gluten-free all of a sudden? And like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a skill you're good at. You've always been good at it. Pastry. It's, I don't know if I, I just, it's fun. And I think that that, like, it's one of those things where if you're freaked out about it, I feel like that affects the product. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've so I good in the kitchen like that. Oh, I've definitely fucked things up, but it's, okay. it's fun. It's like plants whatever. Right. Exactly. Like, okay. So some flour goes to waste. It's all right. Right. Try again. Okay. Okay. So good luck, friends. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> Humor is important in the face. It really is. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Thank you so much. And send us letters at uh, the trauma tapes at gmail.com. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye. Bye.